Welcome to this message from Eastwood Baptist Church, one church with two locations in Bowling Green and Alberton, Kentucky. To learn more, visit eastwoodbc.org. Now, may the Lord bless you in the hearing of His Holy Word. If you would take your copy of God's Word, go with me to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. You know, one of the greatest comedians of all time has to be the mouth of the South from Liberty, Mississippi, Jerry Clower. How many of y'all ever heard of Jerry Clower? Oh my goodness, woo! <laughs> Do some of that up here, right? He died 20 years ago, guys, but his comedy is still so good. It's all over YouTube. Check it out. I encourage you to check it out. It, it, he, was a, he was a strong Christian man. In fact, at one point, the Southern Baptist Convention actually distributed uh, a, lot of his, a lot of his stuff, his testimony and things like that. And so um, he, he just, he's just quality, quality stuff. But like a lot of comedians, Jerry had this list of funny catchphrases that he would throw out there. One that he was really well known for is, if I'm lying, I'm dying. <laughs> He'd be in the midst of telling a story and we get to a part that kind of stretched believability. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and so to assure his audience that he was telling the facts, he would throw in that catchphrase. He'd say, if I'm lying, I'm dying. That's the title of this morning's message. Well, one of the favorite subjects of, of Jerry's was the Ledbetter family. There was Uncle Versi Ledbetter and Aunt Pet, as he said it, and they had 11 boys, Ardell, Burnell, Raynell, W.L., Laynell, Odell, Udell, Marcel, Claude, Eugene, and Clovis. One day, Jerry had flown into Yazoo City, Mississippi from a comedy tour, and he jumped in his old Dodge pickup truck, and he, uh, truck, and he headed out to, 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 to Uncle Versi Ledbetter's house, and his wife, Aunt Pet, was there on the front porch, just a squalling when he pulled up. And he said, oh, Aunt Pet, something bad must be wrong. And she said, they got Versi down at the courthouse. He said, oh, what? Uncle Versi Ledbetter ain't never done nothing to, to, to be tried in a courthouse in his whole life. She said, well, they got him down there, Jerry. So Jerry quickly jumped in his truck, and he drove down to the courthouse there as quick as he could. It was lunchtime when he got there, and the, the district attorney was out there. Jerry said, what have y'all done to Uncle Versi? The DA said, well, he's had a wreck, Jerry. He told one story at the scene of the accident, but now he's telling an entirely different story. And Jerry said, what do you mean? Uncle Versi Ledbetter ain't never lied in his life. And so he said, well, he's fixing to take the witness stand. Jerry, come on in the courtroom and watch him. Uncle Versi took the stand there. He raised his hand. Had a little fancy lawyer got up and said, Mr. Ledbetter, didn't you, sir, at the scene of the wreck, say that there wasn't nothing wrong with you? But now you claim to have a broke leg and you want the insurance company to fix it. He said, that's right. And then the lawyer said, would you mind facing the jury and telling your own words why you lied then? And you changing your mind now. Well, Uncle Versi said, well, I... I wouldn't mind a bit in the world to tell it. He said, I loaded up a hog, and I was taking that, uh, that hog to town to the sale barn, and I was going to sell him. And about halfway to town, one of the, them great big double-decker trucks loaded down with cows sideswiped me in a curve, knocked me there in a ravine, and them cows was a-pouring out on me, broke and all that stuff, and, and, and bellering. He said, I thought I was a goner. And I'm laying down there with a broke leg myself with all those bellering and bleeding cows. And up walked this big old state trooper, them big old black boots. And he moved his coat around to show a 357 Magnum. 
He said he pulled out that magnum and asked the truck driver, what's wrong with that cow over there? The driver said, that cow's got a broke leg, sir. Bloom! Shot that cow right between the eyes. The driver said, oh my goodness. The trooper asked, well, what's wrong with that cow over yonder? Well, it's got a broke leg too, sir. Blam! Shot that cow again right between the eyes. And he looked again. What's wrong with that cow over yonder? Squirming and a bellering. Said she's got a broke leg too. Bloom! Shot it right through the head. Killed that cow. Graveyard dead. Uncle Versi there on the witness stand said, that gun was smoking. That trooper had tilted that gun a little bit toward me. And the trooper looked down and said, sir, and what's wrong with you? And Uncle Versi looked up and said, not a thing in the world, sir. Not a thing in the world. (laughs) I guess in that moment, Uncle Versi thought he better lie to save his life. (laughs) That's what he thought. But sometimes we may think that's the case. But today, as we continue our series called Potty Mouth, where we're looking at how to use our mouths to honor God, we need to realize, as we said all along, that a potty mouth is not just using vulgar words or cuss words. A potty mouth is, 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 is using our mouths in any way that dishonors God. And lying is one of the most common ways that we demonstrate a potty mouth. You see, today we're going to see that every time we lie, we're taking a big, a big chance. And we'll look at a passage here where if I'm lying, I'm dying, literally came, came true. So please stand to honor the reading of the Word of God this morning. Acts chapter 4, beginning there in verse 32. I pray that to, today's word would have the same effect on you that it had on the church community when this happened. Almost 2,000 years ago here in Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 5. The word of God says this. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge he kept back some for himself and brought only part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. And when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Immediately, 
She fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in and found her dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. Let's pray together. Fathers, we come to this text. God, this is a serious text. And Father, as it says there in, in, verse, in, in, in verse 5 and in verse 11, the, the, uh, the, the right response, God, that we pray would happen here today is that we would fear you, God. God, we don't want to sin. We want to be free from sin. We want to be far from sin. And so God, as we read this text, I pray the Holy Spirit would do what only the Holy Spirit can do, and that is to touch our hearts and help us to rightly fear you that we might not sin. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Indeed, as the scripture says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You never know, beloved, when the Lord might break out against sin and bring swift and severe discipline upon you. So we should always have a holy and a healthy fear of God and be careful to always do what's right. And in light of today's text, I want to share with you this morning on this topic. Today's topic is this, five truths about lies. Five truths about lies to help us avoid having a lying potty mouth. The first truth that you need to know about lying is that lying is natural to fallen man. Lying is natural to fallen man, right? Now, we might sit here and we would wag our fingers and cluck our tongues at old Ananias and Sapphira, but they did what naturally comes to fallen human beings. How many of you guys here have ever told a lie? Raise your hands. You ever told a lie? Yeah. Guys, lying is common. And the rest of you didn't raise your hands. You were lying about lying. Quit it! Already, stop it! Right? You see, sadly, lying is ubiquitous. Especially as we near November 6th, amen? Oh my goodness, Otto von Bismarck once wrote, he said, people never lie so much as after a hunt, during a war, and before an election, all right? And so we're gonna see a lot of lying, a lot more of it as we get closer to November 6th here on election day. But Romans 3, 10 through 13 says it this way. It says, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God, all have turned aside. Together they become worthless. No one does good, not even one. And here it is. Look at verse 13. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. In other words, they use their tongues to lie. The venom of asps is under their lips. Lying is natural for sinners. None of us, I've said this before, I'll say it again. None of us had to be taught to lie. We had to be taught to tell the truth. I still remember one of the first times that my oldest son told a lie. We were visiting Christie's parents in Ohio. Our kids call them Emaw and Epaw. And we were getting ready to celebrate somebody's birthday. And there were cupcakes, good-looking cupcakes up there. My oldest was about two or three years old at the time. And he just kept eyeballing those cupcakes. And his mama said, you can't have one of those cupcakes. His little mouth watering. Just, his little grubbies were just itching to get on it. You can't have one of those. You have to wait until the party. Well, we left the room for just a minute to do something and came back to see our precious little toddler. 
if you can imagine it, with icing all over his mouth, cupcake all over his fingers. And Christy said, son, why did you eat a cupcake? And his response, he didn't even miss a beat. He said, Aunt Me said I could. And Aunt Me, who was there, looked at Christy and said, I did not tell him that he could have a cupcake, right? He caught red-handed right there, all right? And what my son did and what Ananias and Sapphira did and what we have all done in lying comes naturally to fallen human beings. Now, you have to keep in mind, just because something is natural does not make it right. People can say, I was born this way, right? When it comes to lying or any other sin, they can say that. And in one sense, that's true. They were born that way to be a sinner, but it never makes it right. It never makes it right. It just means that you're prone to sin, that you are prone to lie. And every time you lie, it comes out of your fallen human heart that has been corrupted by sin. You're not just a sinner because you lie. You lie because you're a sinner. The second truth about lying to help you avoid a potty mouth is that lying to man is lying to God. Lying to man is lying to God. When you lie to your spouse, or when you lie to your boss, or when you lie to your parents, or when you lie to your friend, you perhaps thought that you were just lying to that person in front of you. But Scripture here makes it clear that every lie is not just to the people you're talking to, but to Almighty God as well. Notice here in the text, after Ananias lied to the apostles in the church, Acts 5.3 says this, But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? Peter did not say, why did you lie to me? He didn't say, why did you lie to the church? He said, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? In other words, why have you lied to God. You see, church, when you lie and you deceive man, you are trying to deceive God. You are lying to God. And first off, you should know that's impossible. There is no way that you can deceive God. God knows all things. He knew you were going to do it before you even did it. You can't deceive him. He knows the truth, whether you tell it or not. But secondly, you need to understand that God won't put up with it. God won't put up with it. It was God himself who etched into the stone tablets on Mount Sinai with Moses. The ninth commandment, you shall not lie. Therefore, every time we lie, we are ultimately lying to God. That's true of every sin, which is why when King David was caught in great sin, he said in Psalm 51 verse 4, he said, against you, God, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. It's true of every sin. But here particularly, today, you need to understand that it's true of lying. Lying to man is lying to God. And the third truth you need to understand this morning about lying is that lying deserves death every time. Every time. Scripture is clear. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is what, church? Death. That means every time Ben Simpson sins, he deserves death. And the same is true for you, right? Every time. Not 50 years from now. 
every moment in the moment. That's why God was right and just. You say, oh my goodness, why did God, I mean, he should have been gracious. He should have been merciful. Well, he doesn't have to be gracious. He doesn't have to be merciful. That's why God was right and just when Ananias came and lied to take his life from him on the spot. And the same was true for Sapphira. When she came in and backed up her husband with a lie, God, God killed her on the spot. And God has done that. That was the first time he'd done that. You know, all throughout history. Just, I mean, we could just do a survey of the Old Testament. And even in the New Testament, we see example upon example of this. Like Achan in the book of Joshua. He didn't get a second chance when he disobeyed God at the battle of Jericho. Uzzah. Uzzah didn't get a second chance in 2 Samuel when he disobeyed God and touched the Ark of the Covenant. Those young boys in 2 Kings, they didn't get a second chance when they mocked God's prophet, Elisha. Two bears immediately came out of the woods and tore them to shreds. So listen to me, beloved. Every time you sin, it deserves death immediate death and just because you have sinned and not died just because you've lied and not died so far doesn't mean that the next time you do it you won't god is not to be trifled with sin is to be taken seriously it is not to be taken lightly i'm not here to scare you god is trying. He said it twice in this passage. He is trying to put a holy fear of himself in you that you might not sin. You see, he is holy, 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 and he has nothing to do with sin. We should have a reverent fear of him. That's why in Acts 5.11, again, we've mentioned it, but I want to mention it again. It's such an important verse. And great fear came upon the whole church. And upon all who heard of these things. That should be our response when we read this passage. We shouldn't have to die in similar ways like Ananias and Sapphira. We should let their death do its work in our heart and in our mind so that we steer clear of sin. Peter asked... Sapphira there in Acts 5, 9. After she had lied, he said, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? I say to you this morning, don't test the Lord. Don't test the Lord when it comes to sin. Don't let His past mercy cause you to take His future mercy for granted. Because lying deserves death every time. And we never know when God will say, I'm not going to be merciful this time. And boom. Fourth, to help us avoid a lying potty mouth, the fourth truth you need to know about lying is that lying is forgiven only through Jesus. And praise God for that, amen? If it was not for Jesus, we would all be sunk. We would all be done. How many lies does it take For you to be guilty of sin and deserve hell. Well, the answer is it's the same number of banks you have to rob to be guilty of bank robbery. Just 
one. It only takes one. And regardless of, of, of how many truths you tell going forward, it can never be enough to cover over the lies that you've already told. You're already guilty. So the question is not, have you told more truths than lies? The question is, have you told any lies? And if you have, you're guilty. And there's nothing that you can do to change your standing before a holy and righteous God in and of yourself. You need and I need someone outside ourselves. Therefore, you and I have only one hope. And that one and hope, that, that one and only hope, what's his name? Who's his name? Jesus. Jesus Christ. Guys, Jesus never lied. He never sinned at all. He lived a life that you and I cannot live. He earned heaven for everyone who will repent and believe on him, and he died the death that you and I deserve. It was our lies, amongst other sins, that he paid for on the cross. It wasn't his sin. It was Ben's sin. It was your sin. He died the death that I deserve. And by doing so, he paid hell for everyone who will repent and believe on him. So, beloved, your only hope to overcome your lying mouth and your lying past and your future that is in the lake of fire, the only way to get over that is to repent and believe on Jesus. And I beg you to do so. I beg you to do so before it's everlastingly too late and you enter into the hell that you and I both deserve. You must be forgiven. And the good news is that you can be forgiven. But that forgiveness only comes by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And the fifth and final truth today about lying is that lying must be put off by Christians. It must be put off by Christians. If you've been saved by Jesus, you're a new creature, right? That old fallen nature that was accustomed, that was accustomed to lying, prone to lying, is gone. Your new redeemed nature should have nothing to do with lying. That's why God says through Paul in Colossians 3, verse 9 and 10, he says, do not lie to one another. Seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. You have to actively strive and practice telling the truth. You don't just stop lying. You start telling the truth. You have to actively do that. And that's going to be very hard for some of us because you have become habituated in lying. Or because of your past lies that you're afraid to shed the light of truth on. Or because of the situation that you find yourself in where lying seems like the better immediate option. Listen to this quote. I'm not sure who it's from, but I didn't come up with it. But they said this, they said, For every good reason there is to lie, there is a better reason to tell the truth. You've got to take that to heart. For every good reason there is to lie, there is a better reason to tell the truth. You are to walk with Jesus and to imitate Jesus, 
You must put off lying and put on the truth. And the good news is, is that you have, if you're in Christ, the Holy Spirit who is helping you to do that, who is living in you and through you and empowering you to walk in truth and to live in truth and to tell the truth. Your past before Jesus may have been filled with lies, but your future with Jesus should be filled with the truth. Lying should have no place amongst the people of God. Therefore, it must be put off by Christians. Beloved, those are the five truths about lying. There once was an old man who died. He had a poor reputation in the community, and the old preacher whom the family asked to preach at the funeral was, was a preacher who was known for not pulling any punches. Man, he told it like it was. And as the old preacher began to preach the funeral, he looked over at that open casket there with the deceased laying there or lying there and pointed a long, bony finger toward that man and said, there in that casket rests a man who was full of the truth. And after a short pause, he continued, he must have been full of the truth. Because he never let the truth come out of him. Beloved, may that never be said of us. May we be the ones that the truth always comes out of. Here's my final prayer today. May lying be left behind as you embrace the truth, live the truth, and tell the truth. Hi there, this is Pastor Ben. I have something really important to ask you, but first, I want to say thank you for taking the time to make this digital connection with us through our podcast. I hope the message you just listened to was a blessing, but an even greater blessing than this digital connection would be for you to connect with us in person this coming Sunday at one of Eastwood's two campuses where we get the joy of living life together in Jesus' name. And now for that really important question, which is the most important question you'll ever answer. Where do you stand before God? Now, based on what you've done, the straightforward answer is that you stand guilty and condemned before God. You are a sinner who completely deserves God's wrath forevermore in hell. And I deserve the same thing also. I mean, every person does. Guys, that's terrible news. And even worse is the fact that there's nothing you can do in and of yourself to change that. You need a Savior. But I have good news. God loved the world so much that He sent Jesus to be your Savior. Jesus came and lived the perfect life that you cannot live. And He stood condemned on the cross, dying the death you deserve. And three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead to prove to everybody that He is indeed the Savior of the world. And now Jesus longs to change your standing before God by making a trade with you. He desires to take what you've earned, which is the wrath of God in hell, and to give you in return what he has earned, which is the blessing of God in heaven. When this trade happens, instead of standing guilty and condemned before God, you will stand forgiven and righteous with the promise of everlasting life. So what must you do to have your standing before God changed. First, admit to God you are a sinner. Second, 
hate your sins, turn from them and ask God to forgive you. And finally, turn to Jesus in faith and love, putting your complete hope in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and follow him until the day you die. Wherever you are listening to this podcast, Jesus is ready to make this trade with you. And I pray that you would trust in Jesus and be saved. Thank you again for connecting with us. And I hope to see you soon at Eastwood Baptist Church.